Did I tell you about my crazy lady notes I stuck on my door? Uh Uh-uh. I'm sick of these people dropping stuff off at my house, like books or packages or whatever. So I wrote, (laughs) do not knock. Do not ring the doorbell. (laughs) Baby is sleeping plus loud dogs. And it worked. (laughs) Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're sharing our July Books on the Radar. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing us on social media. It truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, everyone. Just a quick note about some of our upcoming episodes. And you might notice that we're releasing our Books on the Radar episode a week early. And that is because next week, Tuesday, June 28th, we will not be releasing a regular episode. Instead, we're going to share episode one of Criminally Booked, which is our patrons-only bonus episode where we pair a true crime story with fiction book recommendations. To our patrons, you'll actually get episode two of Criminally Booked, so you'll get a bonus. Everyone will have something new to listen to, and then we'll plan to be back to our regular schedule on Tuesday, July 5th. Hey, Renee. Hey, Tina. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was... Even though we just did a summer bonanza episode, I was still like, oh, here's four books that I've never, that I didn't even see. So I'm, I'm excited to share those. I thought the exact same thing. I, mm-hmm. I actually, when I sat down to go through my net galley and, and go through the Book Riot Insider new release guide that we have, I was like, well, I'm not going to find it. I, there's probably nothing because, I, I mean, between our shelf editions, our summer bonanza, oh no, sure enough. There was more than the four I'm bringing today. I was so oh, excited. So excited. There's so many good books. Co- well, they sound good. I'm so excited for one. When I read this synopsis, I immediately requested it on NetGalley, and I hunted down the publisher and emailed them to say, please, please send me a copy because I would love to bring it with on a trip or like, I just need mm-hmm. this physical copy in my hands. I'm like, this is a Tina book if I've ever heard of one. Well, I am bringing a book today that, absolutely blew my mind when I started reading the synopsis. I think my jaw dropped open and I can't wait to tell you about it. It's totally up my alley, but also I'm scared. I'm very scared about it. I'm scared of it. Yes. Is it a spooky book? Yes. I think it probably is not horror. It's it's nonfiction. It's true crime. Mm, Okay. Blew my mind. It blew my mind. I cannot wait to tell you about it. So I am going to start with my loving lately. This is a little bit different, Loving Lately, because I ordered this, but I'm very, very, very confident I'm going to love it. And I don't want to wait any longer because I want other other people to benefit from it if it sounds good. So this is the Norway Foldable Duffel Bag. I saw this on the Today Show, Steals and Deals, which, by the way, um, kind of a sub Loving Lately There are so many goodies that are showcased on today's show, Steals and Deals. I've found so many 
good products and everything. This was brought to the show this week. And there are lots of colors and styles. Its price point is $15.99. And it folds down into a little tiny square, like a small square. So you could toss it in your luggage if you're, you know, and then use it on the way back from a trip. Mm -hmm. I'm planning on using it as, as a weekend bag for now, but... It comes with extra shoulder straps, and it says that the shoulder straps will hold up to 45 pounds, so they're not going to rip or break. This is interesting. It's the exact right size for airlines so that you can count it as a personal item and not be charged for it. That's what I was Because some airlines are charging for Mm carry-ons. So yes, so it is that right size. It is water-resistant. It is lightweight. Um, it's very versatile. I ordered the beige flamingo style just because it made me happy to look at it. It's su- yeah. it's just super cute. And I got the one with the shoulder strap. So without the shoulder strap, it was like $12.99. With the shoulder strap, it's $15.99. What a good price. Such a good price point. Um, that's the Norway foldable duffel bag. I'm literally, I was waiting for you to say the name again. <laughs> So I can look it up. <laughs> I'm like, well, if there's something, if there's one thing I need, it's another foldable duffel bag. Well, and apparently the Today Show said it is the number one, number one selling duffel bag on Amazon right now. Oh, I was going to ask where you got it from. Is it Amazon? It's Amazon. Uh, yeah. I yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. Lots of, well, lots of choices. I know, Thank isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I'm confident I'm going to like it. And for that price, you know. Well, even if you don't, I mean, how bad can it be for 15 bucks? Right. So I don't usually bring Loving Lately's that I haven't already tested out for myself or anything, but I was so excited about that. I wanted to share it. Sounds good. Well, mine is one I have been testing out for a while. And what I love about this segment of the show is sometimes it encourages me to like pick something up because I'm like, all right, maybe this is going to be great. I Do I need it? Probably not. However, Maybe the listeners need to know about it. So mm-hmm. this is makeup. It's been a really long time since I brought a makeup product, but I figured I'm due. It is the Man Eater Eyeshadow Palette Volume 2 by Tarte. Okay. And what I loved about this, I was in Ulta getting my hair done, waiting for it to process, and I like browse around the store while that's all processing. And so I saw this in person. I'm like, wow, this looks so luxe. Like, how much is this? And it's only 29 bucks, and that's really not bad for a brand like Tarte. It's got nine shades in it. And what I like is that there's a great balance of matte colors and shimmer. It's got a great rich black and a dark brown that you can use for liner, as well as a matte white for the eyelid or for highlighting and some shimmers. Obviously, I know not everyone wears eyeshadow, but what I like about this, if you don't have a ton of eyeshadow and you're looking for a classic addition to your makeup kit, I think this would work. It's also great for travel. This is the only thing I'm bringing on the trips that I've been on because it has everything you might need. I wear it just about every day. And this is also a general recommendation for the eyeshadow for Tarte as a brand and specifically their eyeshadow. It lasts a long time. It's got great pigment. I also love their Tropic Amazonian Clay Eyeshadow Palette, which has great shimmers. So I can't recommend this enough if you're thinking about something that's kind of a lot of neutrals, a lot of basics, something you'll get a lot of use of. It is the Maneater Eyeshadow Palette Volume 2 by Tarte. 
Oh, now, I'm not crazy about the name. And I also dropped it on the floor yesterday. And I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be shattered. <laughs> it is not. So it's packaged very well. And when you hold it in your hand, it feels kind of nice. Like, it feels luxe, but it's not huge. It's just like this little square. So mm-hmm. easy for travel. Oh, good. Well, we both brought some travel. Travel's on the mind, baby. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Got to tell you about my latest read, which oh, I, I, I binged in one day. It is The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. Mm-hmm. And I did listen to this one. I found I thought the audio was great. This came across my path from Deborah in our Discord group. We have in our Discord, uh, we have a channel that's called the Latest Read Channel. And every now and then, you know, people will pop on and say, "I'm reading this," and you know. So anyway, Deborah said she binged this. Had to stay up late. Couldn't stop reading it. And sometimes that's all it takes when I'm in between reads, and I'll say, "Oh." All right, I'm going to pull that up and try it out. This is the story of Millie. And Millie is a young woman in her late 20s trying to start over after a very traumatic previous 10 years. She desperately needs a job, and she thinks she hits the jackpot when she interviews and gets the job to be a live-in housekeeper slash babysitter for the very wealthy Winchester family. Every day, she cleans their beautiful house top to bottom. Nina, the mother, is present but is busy with PTA functions and um, luncheons and all of that. So she, so that's why they decide to hire Millie. Uh, Millie does the grocery shopping. She picks up their daughter from school. And she cooks delicious meals for the whole family before heading up to her tiny room, which is on the top of their like three-story house. Even though they have a guest bedroom, they put Millie way up there. Then Millie starts to notice that things start feeling a bit off with Nina and the daughter. And the daughter's like eight-ish or so, but she tries to ignore the odd and disturbing behaviors that the family members start to exhibit. But then Millie says to herself, it's okay because the Winchesters don't really know who I am and they don't know what I'm capable of. And then despite her intuition, she starts to fantasize about having the life Nina has, the walk-in closet, the fancy house, the fancy car, the perfect husband. And she starts to think, could that life possibly be hers? These thoughts start, start to consume her. And then one day, As she goes to leave her attic bedroom, she makes a startling, downright scary discovery. Her bedroom door is locked from the outside. And that's all I want to tell you about this story because I actually rearranged quite a bit of the the blurb on this because I don't want, I just want anyone who's listening to know just this. This story is so much fun full of suspense, full of kind of an underlying unsettling, what is going on with Millie? What is going on with all of these people? It's hus- it's Nina's husband, Nina and their daughter. Like, what is going on? And then you, you br- they've got, there's parents involved. There's, you know, there's other characters, there's friends, but it's one of those juicy, like, what is going on behind closed doors? And Twists and turns were abundant. That's all I want to say. 
if you need a binge read, something very, very fast, I'm pretty confident if this sounds good to you, that once you pick it up, you will not be able to put it down. I'm pretty confident in saying that. That was The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. Mm. Speaking my language, sometimes I just want a thriller that's going to pick me up, that's going to grab me from the very first page and just set off mm-hmm. and just take me on a ride. Like, I don't want to think too much. I just want to be in it. Yes. Because I have trouble, like, starting and stopping new books. I just love a book that kind of sucks you in and then just, like, that's where you're at for the entirety of the reading. Right. I didn't even try to figure it out. This was one of those books I was like, I am, I'm here for the ride. And I was thoroughly entertained. Good. And also, I haven't read that author before, but she has a backlist. And, oh, you can bet I'm going to try to now figure out how to get more of her Even books better. in. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. Okay. I'm very excited to tell you about my latest read. This was a book from my summer bonanza. So the very first one from my summer bonanza list that I read, and it is Aurora by David Kopp. This is billed as a thriller, but I would call it almost more of an apocalyptic suspense And you all know I love an apocalypse, and this was a very, very excellent addition to the genre. And so this book opens up with a professor. His name is Norman Levy, and he is a scientist who has dedicated his entire life to studying the sun. And he gets a call from one of his former students, and they're, as scientists do, kind of pulling projections, and they together realize that something called a coronial mass ejection is coming for Earth and fast. And basically, it has something to do with the sun. I'm not going to even try to explain the science, but should this happen, it will knock out all of the power grids and cause a worldwide blackout. So you kind of find this Mm -hmm. out. You're like, all right, something's coming. What's going on? But the center of the story is a woman named Aubrey Wheeler. She is the ex-wife of a low-level criminal who is, and she's just trying to get by. And among other things, her ex left behind, he left behind his unruly teenage son. And the son and Aubrey do not have the best relationship, but they're trying. And she had a tough childhood herself and still lives in the Chicago suburb where she grew up. And her accomplishments seem even smaller in comparison to her brother, Tom. Because Tom is a fantastically wealthy, neurotically overprepared Silicon Valley CEO with a fascination for disaster preparedness. Because of this, he has created this gilded desert bunker built for maximum comfort and security. So as predicted, the solar event happens and the lights do indeed go out for about, I think, 90% of the world, 95% of the world. So not just in Aurora, their small, you know, their their suburb, but in the across the globe. And projections have them being in darkness for anywhere from eight to 14 months and even longer in some places. And what's fascinating, it's not as though there's a plague that's killing people or that's, you know, something that's going to be long lasting. It's this moment in time. It's this theoretically finite event. How do people act? Do they descend into chaos? It's just, that's what I love about apocalyptic books is that figuring out what would you do? How would you handle it? What does this look like? Mm -hmm. And so suddenly all their problems are very, very local because they like, how do we eat? Like she has a gas stove in her house. What is she going to do with that? And, you know, of course the, the neighbors, they haven't, even though they've lived there for a really long time, they haven't really gotten to know each other like that until this event forced them to rely on one another. So Tom, though, again, has all of the means in the world. and He's trying to take care of Aubrey, but she won't accept his help. 
she made me bonkers with this. I'm like, just take the money, take the help. Um, but they have some very serious unresolved childhood trauma and something happened between the two of them years ago. So you kind of, and you do find out what happened. So you come to understand her perspective. But again, Tom's been preparing for this for years and has like radios and has everything in place that he needs. So he heads to the Utah desert with his family and hired help to ride out the crisis in his bunker. I was absolutely hooked from start to finish. I listened to it I didn't love the narration, but it was not enough for me to be like, I don't want to listen to this. The story was good enough to carry me through. And I love that the author gave us an event that could actually happen because Mm -hmm. this thing has happened before in the 1850s. But because we didn't, electricity wasn't invented yet, it was far less impactful to everybody. So the scientists are the beginning of the story and you see them throughout, but it doesn't stay in the science for too long. I really liked the science piece. I thought it was fascinating. But if you're like, oh, I don't know about this, it, it passes. And what you get are regular people who have to work together to try and survive this event. Aubrey's ex-husband plays a large role. I hated him. And I say this now and again, once in a while, it's really fun to like wish bad things on a character <laughs> and like really root. It's the opposite of rooting for someone. You're like, where, get your demise. Like, where is your comeuppance? And this is, this book made me wonder what I would do in this situation. Like, what skills do I have? And I don't want to say too much, but despite some of the characters' flaws, they felt realistic. And I really, really came to care for them. And I was surprised at some of the choices the author made with the direction the plot went in. I thought the pacing, foreshadowing, and storytelling was fabulous. And honestly, this is already one of my favorites for the year. If you like disaster or apocalypse stories, I think this is a very, very good one. It's satisfying. You get a resolution. It is short, too. Under 300 pages, I think. Oh, wow. So it's very taut. And I didn't realize this when I was reading, but the author is a very successful screenwriter who's worked on movies like, oh, Jurassic Park and Spider-Man. So like, Little movies oh. that you may have heard of, mm-hmm. which makes sense because I was reading this and thinking, gosh, this is so cinematic. Like, I can see it, and that's obviously why. All right. I hesitate to say this, but you know I like to give a vibe. What vibe can you expect from reading this? I got the vibe of Project Hail Mary and The Silent Woods, to put you in oh, that interesting. point of view. I know. You, you might not think those go together, but I definitely see it. Highly recommend this book. This one was Aurora by David Kopp. Okay, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Did I tempt you with an apocalypse? I'm calling it apocalypse. I can't think of a better word because it's not the end of the world. It's just like this, you know, life-changing event. No, yeah, you totally tempted me. And the power grid is absolutely something that I know I've read in other books where they use that particular, like, plot device to, mm-hmm. because it's so realistic. I mean, yeah. and so scary because that could happen. And what uh, what happens if it did happen? Right. I tell you, I'm not prepared. I am not. Well, I don't, think, not yeah, I don't think we are in general, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, oh, so it was, it was really good though. Really, really good. I haven't heard much about it. So if you've read it, let me know. I know Dennis at Scared Straight Reads, that's his book club pick for June. So he's having oh. a chat about it at the end of the month. So if there's time to join, DM him. Um, We'll be having a chat over there. Oh, that would be fun. Okay. All right. Good. Well, oh, you know, I actually wanted to know. So we have a little bit of a break. You all won't really see it, but we have a little bit of a reading break. What's your plan? 
what are you going to read? <laughs> Ooh, and that's, that's, you didn't tell me you were going to ask me that. No, I just made it up on the yeah. spot. <laughs> I made it up earlier when you were talking. I was like, I'm curious, how are you going to tackle this? Well, we have about two weeks. Well, is that right? About two weeks where we're kind of just reading. Maybe reading? almost two weeks. Yeah, probably, yeah, almost, probably mm-hmm. in total about two weeks. Okay. Well, I have books lined up on my Kindle because I don't have audio copies. So what I was mentioning to you at some point was tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And the displacements are at the very top of my TBR, but I only I don't have audio copies. So I have to decide when I'm going to get to those on my Kindle. Those are priorities. On audio, because then I also have to have an audio book going. Of naturally. you know. So you mm-hmm. know what I'm thinking is going with something that's been sitting on my bookshelf that I'm curious about for the audio, and that's rock, paper, scissors. I have oh. had that on my print bookshelf, but mm-hmm. I keep thinking that's the one that I want to, like, when I see it in my den, I'm like, I want to read that, and I want to try the audio because I'm hoping it might be as good as his and hers, which was amazing on audio. So... I don't know. But, you know, then something like somebody will mention something in our Discord or Facebook, and then all of that's going to go out the window, and then I'll just be like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to go read that. What about you? So I – and this is – I'm among – Friends, you you all will understand. I've literally been thinking for weeks about <laughs> the books I'm going to bring with me. We're going to Mexico for six days. Now, it's for a wedding. There will be people there. I highly doubt I'm spending six days in a row reading full time. However, I'm like, I need to have options. I got photo ops to think about. Like, I've literally <laughs> been planning this for so long. So I can tell you one of the books I'm, I believe I'm going to bring with me is Maine by J. Courtney Sullivan. Okay. Victor at Book Pop had really, really recommended this last year, and I was saving it a little bit for summer because I think it could be a really fun summer read. And then my other strategy is really just saying, okay, what are the books you're most excited about? Forget trying to read for the show. Forget trying to save books for their pub date. Just kind of forget it. Mm -hmm. What are you the most excited to read? And I definitely want to read Can't Look Away by Carola Lovering. Mm -hmm. I'd been looking forward to that for months. I had a copy and I lost the plot. I just forgot about it, and it's published this past Tuesday, so I do want to try that one. And then I think I'm going to go for a biggie, like a big-name book, you know, big-name release. I think I'm going to go in with Carrie Soto is Back by oh, Taylor yeah. Jenkins Reid. Okay. So I feel like what could be better being on a beach, being by the pool, reading Taylor Jenkins Reid? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the, that's the move for me. That's very true. I am really hoping you do read Maine because that's been on my TBR forever. And I want to know what you think because I, whatever you think and what, whatever you tell me, then it will decide if I keep it on my TBR. <laughs> ooh, ooh. I mean, I just, a lot of power. I yeah, I just want to hear about it because <laughs> yeah, actually, no, I mean, you. I can go pull up re- reviews on Goodreads, but I haven't thought about that book in so long, but it's been on my TBR. I love the cover. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want to do an episode maybe in the fall of books we've been curious about. Because mm-hmm. you know there's those mm-hmm. books that are sitting on your shelf that just look at you like, I'm still here. Hey, I'm still here. Okay, I'll be here when you're ready. Yep. <laughs> and like, I keep them. Each time I, you know, thin out the herd and give more books away or sell more books, I'm like, no, you're staying on the shelf, but I haven't read them yet. There's like a whole subset of books like that. I have a biggie 
that's on my bookshelf that I have always been curious about. Station Eleven. I can't believe you haven't read that. No. no. Have you ever read Emily St. John Mendel? No. Okay. Read it. I'm very, we could have a good discussion about it because I, again, love an apocalypse. Mm-hmm. That one I thought was good. Didn't love like many people did. Okay. And I can share my reasons later. But basically, it's not my kind of apocalypse, <laughs> which sounds so <laughs> dumb. But it's true. Like I have specific things that I enjoy. In that sort of story, mm-hmm. I love the buildup, the tension, the what would you do? That's what I love. Station Eleven's more so after the fact and how society creates and what's worth keeping, basically. It's very good. Okay. Yeah. I've always been curious about it, but not curious not enough to cool. actually not go pick enough. it up. <laughs> to let it come to the top but of the I pile. But I always wondered. Yeah. What would I, I wonder what I would think about that. So right. that well, would be fun our, to read some of those. That would be fun, I think. So those are like best laid plans. I can guarantee you by the time you all are listening to this podcast, we've probably already picked different (laughs) ones and we're reading different books. But hey, it's good to outline them. I was curious like what your your strategy would be for this little break. Um, But let's get into book lists. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to go first. And this is the one that I was I think the most excited for. This is the one I emailed the publisher for like, please send me a copy. (laughs) And it is called The Light Always Breaks by Angela Jackson Brown. And this one comes out on July 5th. This is a historical romance set in the civil rights era in Washington, D.C. Now, when I said historical romance, Renee kind of peeked at me like, huh. (laughs) Yeah. So it opens in 1947, and the protagonist is Eva Cardone. And she is the 24-year-old owner of Washington, D.C.'s most famous Black-owned restaurant. This book starts in 1947 in Washington, D.C. with Eva Cardone. Eva Cardone is the owner of a famous Black-owned restaurant in Washington, D.C. Even though she's only 24 years old, the restaurant is wildly successful, and everyone's encouraging her to stay in that lane to really keep catering to the wealthiest movers and shakers in the Washington, D.C. society. But she has great plans. She wants to open a diner that offers Southern comfort dining to the working class. Then you have Cortland Hardiman Kingsley IV, and he is a junior senator and a war hero. He has great ambitions for his time in D.C., and he's kind of pushed by his father, who is determined to see that Cortland gets on the path to the White House. But the young senator wants to use his office to make a difference in people's lives, regardless of political consequences. So it sounds like he's got a lot of morality. He's actually in politics because he wants to affect change and do good. But then equal rights activism puts Eva and Cortland in each other's paths, and they can't fight the attraction they feel no matter how much it complicates their dreams. Because Eva is Black and Cortland is white. For Eva, falling in love with a white Southerner is all but unforgivable and undesirable. Her mother and grandmother fell in love with white men, and their families paid the price. Cortland is already under pressure for his liberal ideals, and his family has a line of smiling debutantes waiting for him at every visit. And if his father found out about Eva, he's not sure he'd be welcome home again. So there is a lot of pressure. And so obviously it wasn't legal nationwide to be in an interracial relationship or interracial marriage until 1967. So this takes place quite a bit before that, 20 years actually before it became legal. So their families disapprove and they're both public figures. So the public is probably not going to be supportive of their relationship. So Eva and Cortland have to decide if the values they hold dear, including their love for each other, is, is worth the loss of their dreams and everything else. 
I'm very, very excited. I cannot wait to read this. It sounds like it'll be great for book club. And this one's The Light Always Breaks by Angela Jackson Brown. Okay. Yeah. That does sound really good. I'm like, oh my God, a restaurant, interracial relationship, politics, Mm -hmm. DC, drama, like, oh, but I'm a little nervous. I'm worried (laughs) because I feel (laughs) like it's going to hit very close to home for me. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's easy to forget how interracial marriage has not been legal for that long. I know. So that like, if you didn't know that, like, you're like, wait a minute, what? What's the big deal? But then you're like, oh. Right. It wasn't legal yet. So right. anyway, I'm very excited for it. I'm excited to hear about that one. I, I hadn't heard about that. You always still manage to bring books I haven't heard of. So maybe I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see if I'm going to do the same for you. My first book, I love the title so much. It's A Beginner's Guide to Murder by Rosalind Stops. Love that comes, title. Yeah. It comes out July 5th. Gosh, I am picturing with this setup, with these ladies, I'm picturing the Golden Girls. Okay. Picture the Golden Girls in your head. Remember the Golden Girls? Got them. Okay. Got them. Oh, yeah. All right. Grace, Meg, and Daphne are all in their 70s. They're minding their own business while enjoying a cup of tea in a cafe when 17-year-old Nina, who is very distraught, stumbles in and ends up telling the three women when they ask her, are you okay? What can we do? You know, do you need help? She ends up telling them that she's running from someone and she needs help. So they think nothing of hiding her when a suspicious looking man starts asking if they've seen her. Sounds like he ends up leaving and the ladies start talking with Nina and she tells them a little bit about what she's running from. And the ladies decide that they have to protect her. Like, that's a must, and they make a promise that they will help her. But how? Very quickly, they realize that there is only one answer, murder. And so the tale begins. I doubt. I mean, what else could there be, right? So the tale begins of three of the most unlikely murderers in the making. That's it. That's the premise. I already need to know what happens from here. One of the blurbs on this book says it is guaranteed to hook you. It's at times both touching and darkly funny. And this novel explores the vital ways in which women can support one another through their darkest hours. So that's A Beginner's Guide to Murder by Rosalind Stops. Mm-hmm. Yep, that sounds good. And what a title, you know, like I sometimes mean, a title gets me. It really does because are we going to get more of these ladies? I mean, if it's just the beginning, what what's going to happen? <laughs> what happens next? There's so much that that title even alludes to. And, you know, I know a lot of people, myself included, are really interested in protagonists, older protagonists. And yes. so this yeah. is, you know, I'm loving it. They're in their 70s. Yeah. So in Aurora, the book I was my latest read, there is a wonderful protagonist. He's in his 80s. That's the um scientist that oh, opened okay. the book. Mm-hmm. And he he actually lives on the same street as Aubrey. Listen to me talking about these people like they're real. I know. <laughs> I, I love loved it. him. I love he it. was a fantastic character. Ooh. Oh, I love that book. Okay. I'm gonna tell you though about a different book <laughs> that comes out on July 12th. This is Any Other Family by Eleanor Brown. Gosh, what I love about this, this is a story about three very different adoptive mothers who face the impossible question, what makes a family? So this group of people looks like any other family, but they are not one, not quite. You see, 
They are three sets of parents who find themselves intertwined after adopting four biological siblings. So what they've done, though, is committed to keeping the children as connected as possible. So it sounds like they spend a lot of time together to keep the siblings close, but they do have different parents. So at the heart of the family, there's adoptive mothers who grapple to define themselves in their new roles. You have Tabitha, who adopted the twins, and she kind of crowns herself as the planner of the group and schedules the playdates, schedules the holidays, and she is dead set on creating a perfect, happy family. You have Ginger, who's quiet and easygoing, and she's a single mother to the eldest daughter, and is kind of wary of these not fully family relationships and feels like it's testing her boundaries but hasn't spoken up yet. And then you have Elizabeth, who is still reeling from rounds of failed IVF, and she is terrified that her unhappiness after adopting a newborn means that she was not meant to be a mother at all. So obviously, if this is if you're struggling to conceive and you don't like conception stories, maybe skip this one. I happen to quite like that when it's done thoughtfully. So they actually go out on a family vacation together, and they're all in uncomfortably close quarters when they receive a call from their children's birth mother announcing she's pregnant again. And the delicate bonds the women are struggling to form threaten to collapse as they each must consider how a family is found and formed. This book sounds so complicated. I'm textured, layered, thoughtful, Mm -hmm. and I love stories with family dynamics. I am so interested. It's called Any Other Family by Eleanor Brown, and it's out on July 12th. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Because what happens? What happens to the the, the new baby that's coming? Right. Out? You're exactly right when you said complicated. That's what I was thinking. Like, that sounds like a, a complicated story. And those are good, usually, when you find a good one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My next one is After the Hurricane by Leah Frankie. Comes out July 19th. And the cover is great. It's very colorful on this one. This is about Alina Vega. And her life on the surface appears to be an easy one. She's the only child of two professional parents. She went to private school, then NYU. Following NYU, it sounds like in her 20s that she's kind of aimless. She's lacking in connection. And she misses the relationship that she had with her father, the brilliant but deeply troubled Santiago Vega. The setting, while it sounds like partly New York, also takes place in Puerto Rico. So her father arrived in New York as a small child, and he had a controlling family. His mother was mentally ill, but he became an outstanding student. He had scholarships to Stanford, then then Yale Law. He married Elena's mother along the way. And Santiago really became the shining star of his migrant family, the one who made it out and struck it rich. However, he is haunted. He's plagued by trauma, bipolar disorder, and alcoholism. And he has lost contact with Elena over the years. And at one point returns to San Juan alone and going to wrestle his demons. So their relationship was at the time, not in a good place. Then Hurricane Maria strikes Puerto Rico and Santiago vanishes. So Elena is desperate to know what happened to her father. So she returns to Puerto Rico. And from there, she has to try to unravel the truth about who her father is and 
put together the pieces of the puzzle to find out what happened to him. This is billed as a compelling mystery along with a family story and a look at love that is lost and broken. But of course, I also want to know, you know, what what happened to her dad? <laughs> I, I mean, when people vanish and it's and then you've got the hurricane aspect of it um, and the family. I like the sound of this a lot. And that's After the Hurricane by Leah Frankie. Mm-hmm. Hurricanes on Trent. That for sure. Got the Displacements. Mm-hmm. I saw another one I was reading. I can't remember the title, but I'm like, I've seen like four or five books at this point, I think, with Hurricane as subplot, which is um, so interesting. Right. The weather, extreme weather component Ooh, weather, and gl- yeah. it, climate change is, and I'm bringing something else later that ties into that. That's very prominent. In um, I love climate change books though. Like I'm, I will always be tempted. That's new for me, actually. Um, yeah. and I'm so I'm really interested in, especially the displacements. I want to pick up some of these and kind of see where I land with them. I don't know if I said again, but that book comes out July nineteenth. Next up for me is Old Country by Matt Query. This one comes out on July twenty sixth. The one-sentence pitch for this is that it's a horror thriller of a young couple who buys the perfect secluded house only to discover the terror within. I mm. cannot resist a spooky <laughs> house. Like, I literally can't. <laughs> so, and actually, this book has interesting origins. It was originally posted on Reddit, on the subreddit r slash no sleep, as my wife and I bought a ranch. So someone started this as a story mm. on Reddit and turned it into a book. And it actually sounds like it's been optioned for Netflix as well. So you have former Marine Harry and his wife, Sasha, who have purchased the house of their dreams. They packed up their life and their golden retriever and fled the corporate rat race to live off the land in rural Idaho. Their breathtaking new home sits on more than 40 acres of meadow, aspen trees, and pine forest in the Teton Valley. Their friends and family think it's a little strange for this up-and-coming pair of urban professionals, but Harry and Sasha couldn't be happier about the future they're building all by themselves. That is until they meet their nearest neighbors, Dan and Lucy. And they come bearing more than just housewarming gifts. Dan and Lucy warn Harry and Sasha of a malevolent spirit that lives in the valley, which makes me laugh. (laughs) And every season, this spirit will haunt them in fresh, ever more diabolical ways. They're like, okay, we're, you know, we got a little kooky Mm. neighbors. That's fine. They don't believe it. It's an old wives' tale. But then spring arrives, and so does the evil manifestation, challenging everything Harry and Sasha thought they knew about the world. And as each season passes, the spirit grows stronger, the land more sinister, and each encounter more dangerous. I'm a sucker. I I gotta see. Like, I'm really interested about it. This is a debut, and I haven't read a solid horror novel in a while, so I'm very intrigued. This book is Old Country by Matt Query. Interesting. Okay. Just realized I sw- I switched my books out. I'm not bringing the climate oh, change one. I just realized I'm bringing a book that comes out July 12th. Oh well, July 12th. I went out of order. Oh, okay. I didn't even notice. All right, here I'm going to tell you about my next book, and this is the one that really truly scares me. It is Killers Amidst Killers by Billy Jensen, and it comes out July 19th. I first have to tell you I read Billy Jensen's previous book, Chase Darkness With Me, and I highly recommend that one on audio. He is very much in the vein of Michelle McNamara as far as his 
ability and his passion and his desire to chase the bad guys and especially serial killers. And it's really fascinating how he goes about doing that. In this new book, guess where Billy heads? Um, To (laughs) Tina. Columbus, Ohio. Oh, Columbus. Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) Why would you be so excited about (laughs) Chicago? (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Billy heads to Columbus, Ohio to chase these particular serial killers. Hello. What? What? Hi. That can't be right, right? But oh my gosh. So, okay. He decides to take on serial killers who are walking among us and planning their next moves in real time. I cannot tell. What am I going to do with this story? I'm really scared. Okay. The story. I see why you're scared. Yeah. The story begins in 2017 when two young women, best friends, Danielle and Lindsay, go missing in Columbus, Ohio, within weeks of each other. 2017. Their bodies are found soon after. As Billy investigates Danielle and Lindsay's cases, he comes across other missing and murdered women, and before long, he uncovers 18 of them. All Exactly. All unsolved, and no one is talking about it. These are not women who were raised in the street. They got hooked on pills. The pills were taken away. They got hooked on heroin. And when the money is gone, they have to sell themselves. It all happens very quick. Through his investigations and the help of experts, Jensen identifies serial killers in Cleveland and Columbus. I'm really beside myself with this information. I know. I wish you could see Renee's face Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Why? There, because it's easy. Sharks go where the swimmers are. Serial killers go where the easy prey are. Ground zero of the opioid epidemic in the heart of America. So that is what happened to Danielle and Lindsay. But as he tells in the story, serial killers are murdering sex workers in the 21st century, and they will get 45 seconds on the local news and page three in the paper, and then can disappear into the wind. So Billy Jensen is going on a hunt for these predators to bring peace to the victims' suffering families while putting a spotlight on a system that is leaving hundreds of thousands of bodies in its wake. I am going to be floored reading this. I can tell you that right now. I mean, I I live in Columbus, Ohio, so I didn't know any of this was going on. I need to read it, but I'm scared. So it's Killers Amidst Killers by Billy Jensen. That sounds wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be wild. And I do know in order for him to write a book like this, because I read Chase Darkness with me, he is a very meticulous, almost sometimes unusual type of investigator. The ways that he manages to track criminals down is fascinating. He's really good at what he does. So I can't wait to read this one. Um, It comes out July 19th. Mm, It does sound spooky. Okay. For me, my last one will take another turn away from scary serial killer land into science fiction. Okay. And this is Upgrade by Blake Crouch, Mm. which comes out on July 12th. 
Now, normally, I don't always include super popular books. I like to find some under-the-radar gems, but Blake Crouch is an auto-read author for me, and I couldn't believe that I forgot he has a new book coming out. Like, I'm like, excuse me? What? (laughs) And I have a copy of it. So I'm like, all right, here's what it is about for those that also weren't aware. At first, Logan Ramsey isn't sure if anything's different. He just feels a little sharper, better able to concentrate, better at multitasking. He's reading a bit faster, memorizing better, and needing less sleep. Sounds great to me. (laughs) But before long, he can't deny it. Something is happening to his brain and to his body. And he's starting to see the world and those around him in whole new ways. Because the truth is, Logan's genome has been hacked. And there's a reason he's been targeted for this upgrade. And that reason goes back to decades in the darkest part of his past in a horrific family legacy. Like, what? Why him, Mm -hmm. right? And worse still, what's happening to him is just the first step in a much larger plan, one that will inflict the same changes on humanity at large at a terrifying cost. Listen, I don't even really care what this is about. (laughs) I have to tell you, I never understand his books anyway. When I'm reading the synopsis, I'm just like, I don't know. Tell me a story. Mm -hmm. He's so good. Dark Matter by Blake Crouch is one of my all-time favorite Love that books. Book. And so yes. it's one of those books where I'm like, hey, tell me a story. Take me on a ride. Mm-hmm. This one says it's supposed to be intimate yet epic in scope. It is intricately plotted, lightning fast, and it charts one man's thrilling transformation even as it asks us to ponder the limits of our humanity and our boundless potential. So I'm like, tell me, what do you got for us, Blake? So that one is Upgrade by Blake Crouch. Yeah, that is on my list too. I definitely want to read it. And you're right. I really don't ever understand even the synopsis. I'm like, huh? <laughs> but it, He's, This person's going to be upgraded. That's the, that's the bottom line. Okay. And this is interesting, Tina, because my fourth book, I thought, oh, I'm going to go for something different here. And I know I initially just a little bit ago said something about climate change, but I swapped out books at the last minute. So it's not climate change, but it is sci-fi. It is mm-hmm. science fiction and fantasy, which I rarely bring. And this is also a speculative debut. This is called The Awoken by Caitlin Monroe Howes. Oh, oh I know this book, baby. Do this you? It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes yeah. out July 26th. This is about Alabane Rivers, a politically active young woman with a bright career and romance ahead of her. However, she finds out devastating news that she has terminal cancer. And the only thing that gives her solace is the possibility of a second life through the emerging field of cryogenics. That is fascinating to me. And really, I stopped there and was like, oh, yeah, I I need to read this book. (laughs) So what happens is a century goes by and scientists have indeed discovered how to bring back the dead from preservation Oh my gosh. But humanity has been locked in a philosophical battle over the ethics of this new godlike power, a battle that has turned violent because you end up having those who are resurrected being called the awoken. And they have also been declared illegal and are shot on sight. So this is the world Alabine is brought into by the resurrectionists. And they are an underground militia fighting for the rights of the Awoken. So she finds herself in a totally unfamiliar world, one where she is the outsider 
And for the first time in her life, she has to figure out how to survive, what's going to happen to her in this world, all while being haunted by lucid memories of her previous life and the man she loved. I have seen a couple blurbs that say this is filled with plot twists, high emotion. It's a look at prejudice, the fears that tear us apart. And it's also a combination of, yes, science fiction, but also romance and suspense. So who knows? This might go right to the top of my TBR. It's The Awoken by Caitlin Monroe Howells. Comes out July 26th. Yeah, that one sounds really good. And I always love a, all right, this thing happened. How is humanity going to respond? Because you know people are going to like make division. Mm -hmm. That one sounds really interesting. Well, we're also going to share our current reads as a way to wrap up this specific episode. (laughs) I am all over the place with my reading right now because I am currently reading The Emergency, A Year of Healing and Heartbreak in a Chicago ER by Thomas Fisher. And this is an ER memoir written by an experienced ER doc who was born and raised in the south side of Chicago who works in one of its uh, emergency rooms. And what I liked about this is he reflects on the the COVID-19 pandemic, but so far it's a lot more than that. It's not just like, okay, here's what happened and how COVID essentially changed healthcare. It's about the disparity between those that have means, those that do not. It's about healthcare itself. It's about the people that live in the city of Chicago, specifically in the South Side, and how even at one point, I think his mother goes into his own ER and is not given the care that he would have hoped to provide for her. Uh, He had 20 years of clinical practice, and he worked uh, as a White House fellow. So he's got a lot of experience both on the front end of working in an ER as a doc, but also on the leadership and policy side of things. He narrates the audiobook. I am listening to it, and he's just wonderful. It's a wonderful narrator. I also live in near the south side mm-hmm. of Chicago, so very much is a something I drive past all the time, and I love it. Um, I really like medical memoir, um, and I think this will give us a unique perspective. So this one is The Emergency, A Year of Healing and Heartbreak in a Chicago ER by Thomas Fisher. Okay. That does sound interesting. All right. I am also listening to an upcoming new release, and it's called The Bartender's Cure by Wesley Stratton. It's being narrated by Lauren Izzo. And I do really like the audio narration a lot. This is a debut novel about an aspiring bartender at the perfect neighborhood bar. I have been in such a like restaurant bar kind of niche mood. Where Mm -hmm. like with recently I talked about Yerba Buena and they had a restaurant setting in that. I don't know. I like to read about that. This one is filled with quite a lot of cocktail recipes. And so I do think if you enjoy like really interesting cocktail recipes and drink stuff like that, print copy might be the way to go. This is a story about Samantha and she kind of falls into getting her job as a bartender because she has moved from San Francisco. We know I'm about two hours into this currently. Something happened in San Francisco. I don't know what, but she alludes to something going wrong. She's living in Brooklyn on her best friend's couch. She needs a job, ends up getting a job at Joe's Apothecary. It's a beloved neighborhood bar. She says 
you know, it's only temporary. I mean, she's got her education. She wants to go back to school, but she's, she gets really, really sucked in to the world of bartending and restaurant and especially the little family that develops um, amongst the bartenders and all of that. So that's kind of where I am in the initial, like I'm learning to know all the characters. I am seeing slowly, like the regulars are starting to come in. So we're getting stories for the people that come in and sit at the bar every single night. Like, so I don't know. I, I don't know where this is going, but it's, According to the synopsis, at the end of the year for Sam, she is going to have to make some very significant life decisions. I think there's going to be a little bit of falling in love and what happens and something about destructive cycles from her past that are continuing to threaten her. I like it. I like it. It's a little bit I want to, I don't want to say too many cocktail recipes, but yet there's mm-hmm. a lot of cocktail recipes, right. which is fine. I don't, I don't personally need that, but it does, it's very quick. So I guess if you're reading or listening, you can just not pay attention, but mm-hmm. I do like how the author kind of tosses those in. I, I'm curious about this story and I love the New York City setting and it, it is set in summertime. So that's The Bartender's Cure by Wesley Stratton. That sounds good. You said this is an upcoming release? June 28th. Okay, perfect. Because I was going to say, I've not heard anything about that. No, one. I haven't either. I found that, I want to say, on NetGalley. And the title got me. And then I started reading about it. And I'm like, oh, I know. It was after I finished Yerba Buena. And I was really like, oh. You're just in the mood for. Put me in another, put me back in another restaurant bar. I'm. I'm feeling it. So I grabbed it. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both on Instagram at booktalketc, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you soon. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. No, I was so mad because, like, they'll ring the doorbell for, like, one book. I'm like, you come here four times a week. You don't, you see me in the window. (laughs) It's only happened probably once in the last three weeks. Only one time did somebody ring the doorbell. They really stopped doing that here. Every single time. That's crazy.